Hey, this is Jay Stein, and you're watching the Dynasty Hot Seat. Yes, hello everybody, we are back and welcome to the Dynasty Hot Seat, the only Dynasty show that is a certified inferno and today we have got him back on the show, ladies and gentlemen, for the third time, one of my favourite guests of all time on the Hot Seat, it's Jay, find him at Twitter, at underscore Jason Stein, he's back guys, Jay, amazing to have you back on, can't wait to start talking some Dynasty and talking some rookies with you, how are you doing my friend? I am doing good. I'm pumped. I know everybody mentioned this, but one of the best intros in the game for a podcast. Love it. Love it. I think this is my this is this will be my third time on the show. Yeah. Have you ever had have you had guests on third to three times yet so far? Oh, I think I think Kev White's been on like a hundred times, but he's one hundred times. Kev, okay, well yeah, Kev, I'm second then. I'm second. You're second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kev. Uh, I think I think Kev's on four, perhaps four appearances. Okay. So I think yeah, you're, you're you're catching him. Yeah. All right, I'll come for him. We got to do a couple more so I can try and be number one here at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did finish ahead of Kevin the Hall of Flame, so you got that on him last year. So you, <laughs> I think you finished one one ahead of him. So you can dangle that in front of him if you don't get the most appearances. Um, and yeah, can't can't wait to get talking some some rookies and heads and tips. Just for anyone, if anyone's new here, just guys, really helps out if you can you know, hit that like and hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening anywhere else. It's always good to subscribe to the show, so that would be a big big help if you could do that. So without further ado, Jay, we're going to dive right into it. You got some hints and tips for us. Uh, could be linked to rookies, could be linked to this dynasty in general. So so what do you got for us today? Yeah, I'm going to do three. Actually, you know me, I'll, I'll probably do more than that. But I'm going to try to do three rookie, 2023 rookie hints and tips. So nice. Um, at, the first one I'm going to do is, uh, you know, when we're talking about rookie or rookie evaluation, draft capital is important. And what do what do people mean by draft capital? So for draft capital for quarterbacks, we're talking about first round quarterbacks. And then for running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, we're talking about day two or better. So for rounds one, two, or three for those those positions. And the point here is that if you're um, if you are able to get draft capital, that means teams have invested time and um, something into you, and it gives you more opportunity and more chances later on. As opposed to somebody that has a hit from a, you know, somewhere in the fourth round to the seventh round, there's always this looming threat behind you that you could be replaced by somebody that they do invest in in the first through third rounds for running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So when you're going through your process and we go through the the NFL draft and we see which guys are drafted in what places and you figure out draft capital, you, the majority of your time should be spent on those guys that are, are picked rounds one through three and try and figure out where the hits are there in that group. In the other group, in the rounds four through seven, you're going to have some hits. There are going to be some guys that do well, but the hit rate is so much lower than those guys that go in the first through third rounds for running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, and first round for quarterbacks. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on. Like, you can just imagine like a team planning around the draft, like what we're going to do in those, you know, first, second, third round guys. They're probably thinking this is someone that we are going to be able to start, you know, day one coming in the next year. As you kind of slip down the draft, people are just kind of maybe thinking like, oh, that guy's still there. It's like, oh, he might be good. He might have a chance. And then they have to really light it on fire during, you know, the original camps in the summer and things like that. They have to really, you know, hit the ground running. This is so much harder for them to break through and, yeah, every now and again you get like Isaiah Pacheco or whatever that does slam yeah. through. But I mean, even he only really got a chance because you know Clyde Edwards alert got injured. Ronald Jones was a flop. You know that he just things had to happen for him to even get that chance. Yeah, exactly. So if you go through last year and you think about the guys, there's there's 56, 57, 60 guys that were taken fourth through seventh round that fit that sort of quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, mm. running back malt. And there's a couple guys that I think actually became fantasy relevant. But in, in from that perspective, I think, um, you know, even them, people will be concerned about them being replaced. So Damian Pierce is one. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, that's one. Tyler Algier, that's one. Yeah. Um, Sam Howell and Brock Purdy, I think those guys. Sam Howell didn't have a lot of rookie value throughout the season, but once he... Once um, he started to start some games and then the Washington Reds uh, commanders talked about them sort of going with them, running, running with him next year. Um, maybe he has a little bit of fantasy value. Brock Purdy obviously came on pretty strong there. And then Romeo Dubs um, was another yeah. one who was fairly successful early on. But there's so many players that we spent so much time evaluating on. Um, I'll give you an example. So like, in the fourth round alone, we had Kate Otten, Damian Pierce, Dan Bellinger, Zamir White, Isaiah Spiller, Arik Ezukma, uh, Pierre Strong, Charlie Kolar, Jake Ferguson, Hassan Haskins, Romeo Dubs, Bailey Zappi, Calvin Austin, Isaiah Likely. Um, there's a couple, probably a couple of other ones that I'm forgetting, but that's just fourth yeah. round alone. And all these guys, you know, except for your maybe like deepest dynasty leagues. Yeah. are not really fantasy relevant and for the most part probably won't be going forward and so to spend yeah. just so much time trying to figure out who's going to be the hit in those groups i think your time's better spent on those those guys that actually do get the draft capital figuring out yeah. who are going to be the hits of those guys yeah think about the man hours spent studying isaiah spiller alone like just <laughs> hundreds of hours combined across the whole like fantasy community. And yeah, he's just done absolutely nothing. And it's like cool. <laughs> all that time just wasted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's yeah. the first one. The second one yeah. is don't um, double count traits uh, in the evaluation process. Okay. So uh, we know Jalen Hyatt is fast. This happens every year. When he runs at the combine, it's going to be a great uh, 40 time. He's probably going to be the fastest, if not one of the fastest wide receivers, if not player mm -hmm. at the at the combine. So we know that. That's part of his yeah. profile currently. It's right now. We know he's super speedy. That's what he does. Um, now, when he goes and does it, don't don't double count that <laughs> don't say yeah okay now now it's uh uh now he put up uh four through low four three um now i'm gonna move him above the tier one wide receivers uh, we know he's fast we know where he is in in the tierings perspective based on all of our evaluations let's not double count that now the thing that it does do that i think people can get excited about is it's verified now so before it yeah. was a question mark 
now it is for sure. We can all put it on our models. We can all say this, this actually happened. Now it's verified. Um, but let's not double count it and give him extra credit or, you know, uh, an extra boost because he does what, exactly what we think he can. And I think that's what happens around the combine, the senior bowl, this type of draft lead up is that prospects kind of go on these runs, these gets pushed in directions for things that we already know about prospects. And so, you know, that's why, you know, going through the early evaluations and kind of having an idea of who these players are early kind of helps you prevent you from like getting, you know, swayed by some of the momentum and the irrationality in the, in the marketplace. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It kind of works like both ways as well. Like not only in the positive column, but whenever Bryce Young comes out and is listed under six foot, we we know that we already know that's going to happen. So yeah, don't count it against him again when we probably already know that's happening. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Perfect example on Bryce Young. I love that take. And then um, the next one here is early declare is your friend. Um, so generally you want to see prospects that produce as early as possible. You want the 18 and 19 year olds that came into the SEC and dominated the 21 to 22 year old, like NFL guys. Um, it signals that you can do that again in the NFL. Um, so the other side of that is you want to try and avoid the late declares, the fifth and sixth year guys, especially the guys that weren't able to produce at all. So if, if you're a fifth and sixth year guys and you actually only put up one year of production or one and a half years of production, um, <coughs> Will Levis, um, that's sort of what I kind of want to try and avoid over time. Um, and it, it's, it's when you get into the fifth and sixth year of college, you're like an older, you're, you're supposed to be better than the young guys, right? So yeah. when, when you were thinking about like these dynasty relevant guys, if you think about like what a Garrett Wilson was last year, last year, he, he early declared um, he went off and he goes and wins the offensive rookie of the year, puts up a great season for the jets, even though the jets don't have very good QB situation. Could you imagine what yeah. would happen if Garrett Wilson came back and, and played for his at Ohio state last year? Um, yeah. It would be like, kind of like what Devonta Smith did. Like he was, perfectly capable of going and early declaring and he probably would have gotten a good grade and good drafts of capital. Yeah. Uh, but then he came back for his, his for his fourth year and just lit, lit the college football world on fire. Like he was the best wide receiver like ever <laughs> that year. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. you know, when you go and you look at these fifth and sixth year guys and they're not able to do that, that's a warning sign. That's, that's something to think about. And I can see yeah. some of these fifth and sixth year guys that are that have like really great traits um, that might get good draft capital. Uh, historically, if you haven't if you're have you haven't produced at excellent levels in the fifth and sixth years, um, or or haven't have multiple years of good production, um, you know those those fifth and sixth years guys with with very little production are are big warning flags. Yeah, and that's important to note, like because I think sometimes. People just assume that a player coming out of college is going to be young. So, like someone like Hendon Hooker is like older than Justin Herbert, and is like closer to thirty than he is twenty. So it's it's yeah, you have to like really pay attention to that because yeah, you just assume quarterback coming out of college you must be like 21, 20. But like no, some of these guys are old, especially with COVID threw everything around yep. a little bit. Like these guys yep. missed years, so you do get like you know people like Hendon Hooker and. 
who was it last year that went to the Bears? Um, the old guy. <laughs> the old Vilas, guy that went, Jones, Jones, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the oldest rookies ever are coming out right now. So, yeah, just, just yeah, keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the last one here is when you're going through and doing your dra- um, draft, you got to pay attention to pods like the Dynasty Hot Seat who goes through yes. and talks about the consensus um, consensus draft rankings here. Mm. Um, and I would say the, the tip here is draft at cost, right? So um, you want to find out what consensus is. And then you don't want to veer too far away from that. And if you are thinking about a guy in a spot that's like way out of line. So this guy is your guy, but he normally gets drafted in the third round and you want to take him early second. You're giving up a ton of value here. So you want to make sure what, what the consensus is. That's sort of what cost is. You want to make sure you're not veering too far away from, from, from what cost is. And, and the way that you do that is you manipulate the draft for it in your favor. So you're trading in and out of spots to make sure you're get, still getting the guy that you want, but also collecting some, some extra on top of that so that you can yeah. get your guy, but also like reap the value of where you are in the draft. So just making sure you pay attention to, to the dynasty hot seat and, and, and grab those, consensus rookie draft rankings uh or drift rookie draft um results and then and then sort of playing the board from there and making sure you're always sort of understanding what cost is and then drafting at ish or close to cost yeah absolutely agree it's been really fascinating to to gather all of the the adp from all these different mock drafts going around like some guys going really really high some guys going like really low and eventually when the, when the all levels out like the last episode we did the top six guys all stayed in the exact same position so the the dust is kind of starting to settle a little bit i think on some of these guys but we'll we'll see where where we end up then with with your mock draft jess so let's let's pull up the board here and thank you so much once again for those awesome awesome tips but we've got our board ready up here we'll just mute it so we're not getting that little noise and yeah, we're going to go through. We're going to make all of these picks, and you're going to do this in bunches. You were saying, right? So we're going to maybe do five, six at a time, get them all locked in, and then we'll talk about them as a collective big group. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. That sounds perfect to me. All right. So, I pick one. I mean, do we? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess who you're going to pick, but I'm, I'm, unless you yeah. want to shock me. Yeah. So let's go, Bijan. Yep. Then um, CJ. Yep. Then Bryce. Yep. Then Gibbs. Yep. And then JSN. Yes. Like that, uh, I believe. And we'll go. We'll go one more. Let's go, yeah. uh, Quentin Johnston. Interesting. So that is almost exactly what the the top six was in my last sort of combined EDP. I think the only difference is Quentin Johnson sneaking ahead of Jordan Addison. So. So let's let's go through these guys. I'll let you choose who you yeah. who do you want to start with there. All these guys, I mean, amazing, amazing talents. So let's let's talk through them. Yeah, so I think Bijan uh, for most leagues, I think probably 80, 90 percent is probably gonna go at the 1.01. The um in 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 obviously in one QB, but then also in Superflex as well. Um there will be um some because CJ and Bryce Young are probably going to go early in the first round. They're probably going to go to positions where they'll be playing early 
if you're in a deep super flex league where you need you have the quarterback need i can understand mm-hmm. why you take a quarterback there at one um but from a value perspective i think um Bijan gets you uh the most value so i think that's that's important to take him he's he's one of the better pros- running back prospects we've seen come out a while there there's uh i like to look at the numbers there's very Actually, there's no boxes that he doesn't check here. So he produced every year he was in college. He meets all the size metrics. He's going to get draft capital. I mean, this is like a a sure kind of thing, barring any type of injury. And the thing is, is if you go out on the market and you use this 1.01 and you you like put it in for KTC, you can actually get a fairly decent um, level quarterback in Superflex as well mm-hmm. so there's if you when i talk about value if you wanted to put one of the quarterbacks there at 1.01 um you could actually go out and trade b john robson or the 1.01 and get a guy like trevor lawrence right now who mm-hmm. um you who actually like looked pretty good towards the end of this season after a not so great rookie season um, and is kind of vaulting his way up into sort of the upper echelons. So um, just think about that when you're thinking about what you want to take at 1.01. Um, if, you know, when you're drafting for need there and you you think about the QB, you could, might actually be able to go out and, and check the trade market and see what, what kind of quarterback you could get for Bijan and see if that's, that provides you a better offer or a better opportunity than C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at that position. Yeah, I love it. I, I I'm taking Trevor Lawrence over B. John Robinson all day in a Superflex league. Just like the the longevity alone, like B. John Robinson could be in the Hall of Fame and Trevor Lawrence still playing. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's just that that kind of distance that quarterbacks go now. So yeah, I, I'd be taking Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, if you can get a quarterback of that value, then then go for it. It's it is interesting. Like right now, Bijan Robinson, you could make an argument that he's actually the dynasty running back one without even ever playing a snap. So his value weirdly might never be higher than it is right now before he's even been drafted. So it's like, do you take advantage of that and and try and trade him and get a haul for him? Or, you know, if you're a contender, then do you keep him? But the odds on you being a contender and also having the one one are so slim. The right move probably is to sell the one one. Like because by the time your team's ready, Bijan might not even be relevant anymore. Yeah, that's the low risk option. And you know, like you're not selling the one one for the one two and uh um like a late first or something like that. That's no. that's not what you want. Um back in the day when running backs were had a, a extreme valuation and the guys like Saquon Barkley were going for like two or three first round picks. Um, yeah. Now we've sort of devalued sort of like the NFL, this running back position yeah. um, through, through I would say various things, but um, um, you know, Saquon might be sort of a, I'm sorry, Bijan might be sort of a resurgence of some of that value you can grab so. from, from the running back position. I'd, I'd argue actually last season, Jonathan Taylor, you were able to do something like that. So if you took, mm-hmm. took Jonathan Taylor, um, at that point, he was he was pretty close to um, the 1.01. Um, in Superflex, you had the three QBs going before him. But even then, sometimes people were kind of reaching and, and pushing Jonathan Taylor up above some of those QBs. 
Um, and so you were able to do something like that last year. I think if you're looking back on it, you'd, you'd say if you if you were to have accomplished like a sell of Jonathan Taylor for a bunch of great assets, you'd be looking back at that and feeling pretty good this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do agree with you. I think Bijan will probably be the um, dynasty running back one one number one here going forward, um, at least early on. And um, I don't see anybody sort of um, coming for that crown. I think he fits like uh, I think he will get that premium valuation. Um, I think there will be like this this gap between him and the rest of the running backs yeah. when it comes to like looking at things like KTC. And so you might be able to take take advantage of some of that in, in your leagues. But um, yeah, I think let's when I talk about drafting at cost, this is what I mean. I mean, you got it. You got to make sure you understand what the value of Bijan Robinson is inside this this rookie draft, but then also outside of the rookie draft. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to see where he lands, like because there is potential for his value to go up even more. Like if he lands it like in the perfect kind of spot, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. So we love love Beach and Robinson, of course. It's nothing but this... per it's nothing but perfect. If he goes in the first round yeah. to a good spot and then puts up a good season, like there's yeah. there it's like the valuation is just could skyrocket. There's nothing yeah. that this guy hasn't done perfectly yet so far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um QBs can't wait to see him play. Yeah, the QBs. This is the most interesting part i think so yeah. far I've, I've seen on the show is this whole cj stride versus bryce young versus you know these other guys kind of argument well from what i've seen cj stride is starting to pull ahead of bryce young you've sort of shown that here taking it before so so what is it you like more about stride than, than bryce young or are they I'd actually one a one b for you uh i'd say they're more one a one b i'd say they're both excellent i think they'll both be pretty successful in the nfl um mm. Uh, they're they're not like the the top tiers that we've seen in years past, like um, a Justin Fields, Tre- Trevor Lawrence tier group. I don't I don't think mm-hmm. they're quite there, and largely that's because of the rushing capability. So, um, I don't think either of these guys demonstrated in college that they would be sort of like that Konami code type of yeah. type of players. Um, so for me, uh, and I've been we uh, in the at the Devi Royal, me and uh, Kevin Coleman. At Du Bois 22, we did a, a CJ Stroud versus Bryce, Bryce Young podcast. Um, this was back during the season, so we were mm. we were talking about it back then, trying to figure out who we'd want. Um, and and the gist of it is CJ Stroud has the size of a prototypical prototypical quarterback, and CJ Stroud has the metrics. So if you're going yeah. through the metrics that you pay attention to from an analytical perspective, I'm not talking about just like yards. I'm talking about the like adjusted yards per attempt. I'm talking about QBR. I'm talking about uh, EPA per play. This this all fits in in CJ Stroud's favor when you're looking at them at an absolute basis. But yeah. the gist of it is is that both of them hit most of or if not all of the metrics that you'd want to see for that indicate successfulness in the NFL. So. Um, they're both good. I think they'll both be acceptable or, or both be good NFL um, players. I think CJ Stroud gets just like that little bit of a nod towards um, just being slightly better on an absolute bit basis, but they're both meeting all the thresholds of what you'd want to see, except for the rushing piece of that. Yeah. Um, the other aspect to it is when you go through all like the film grading, um, most people that watch film 
are uh, and uh, like say PFF that gives letter or number grades for for these players, they all lean towards Bryce Young. So mm. there's something that Bryce Young is showing on the field um, that that maybe C.J. Stroud wasn't able to show throughout his tenure at quarterback. And so I do think that there's a huge debate here uh, about yeah. which one should go one or two. In fantasy community, I think C.J. Stroud, because of what he was able to show um, that last game, um, is sort of like pushing him up into that uh, just slightly above um, Bryce Young perspective. Yeah. And what I mean by that last game was he was able to show that he could run run the ball, something that he'd never done in college yeah. to any extent. There were a couple instances where he took off, but for the most part, he, he wasn't a runner. But he was able to make that a part of a game, and we got to see what the potential there was, even though that wasn't relevant or wasn't part of his game at all um, yeah. through his first three seasons. Um, and so... I think that is pushing him a little bit above, but honestly, it's really like we're really nitpicking between the two. I think they'll both be successful, and you should pick the guy that you want or you think's in a better situation. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault either way. I mean, I, hmm. I think that it could go Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Um, I, I would pencil those two in as either or, and I'd be fine which, with whichever one's left over so if i'm thinking about a um how to position myself in a draft and i need one of these qbs mm-hmm. and i know they're going to go two and three i'm fine not paying the premium for two i'd rather uh, pay a little bit less premium and get three and then just grab whichever one um falls to three yeah they're really really fascinating and that's kind of like digging more to like the tape of them both like I really like CJ Stroud. He seems like a safe like pair of hands. Really, I seen someone compare him on Twitter to like I don't know if this is a great comparison, but they were kind of saying it in a negative way. They were like, "Oh, CJ Stroud is like Kirk Cousins." I'm like I'll take a like a twenty-something-year-old Kirk Cousins, <laughs> a quarterback in the first round. I'll take that. Like if he has a career like Kirk Cousins, you've absolutely smashed in that pick. Like yeah, so I think he'd be quite good there. Bryce Young. He seems to have a little bit more of that, I don't know how to call it, like that kind of magic dust about him, right? He kind of has yep. that that kind of big kind of, how did he do that play in his locker a little bit more? Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I can't really choose between the two. I'm leading CJ Stroud at the moment, but it does depend on Bryce. So I, I'm, I'd be terrified for Bryce Young if he ends up at the Texans and just gets crushed by that like terrible offensive line. So for Young, I'm a bit more concerned about the landing spot than Stroud's. Um, but let, let's get on to, to one of my favorite players in this draft. It's the running back two you picked here. It's, it's Jameer Gibbs. Uh, let's talk yeah. about him a little bit. Yeah, so Jameer uh, is is not one of my favorite prospects in the group. Um, so Ooh. we're going to differ there a little bit. Um, okay. this, is, this is a classic at cost type of perspective, right? So yeah. um, for me... For me, um, this is this is different than what consensus would be, but I'm actually a little bit lower on Jameer Gibbs than 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 what consensus is. But I do mm-hmm. think that he needs to go in this slot um, because of how everybody is sort of valuing him yeah. in the dynasty community. So Jameer Gibbs is exceptional um, at pass catching out of the backfield. Um, yes. He'll probably be, uh, from a metrics perspective, one of the better ones that we've seen come out, and he has that ability. Um, he, When you look at stuff like uh, rush yards over expected and some other things, he doesn't like um, 
show that he is throughout college that he's a um, a good runner of the football. And when you have guys that are really good pass catchers, but not necessarily a great um, between the tackles runner of the football, the guys that can be relied on for um, one down three down back type of guys, mm-hmm. then usually you're in the situation where you get put in sort of this complementary role. Um, and so like the classic example that sort of played out this year is like uh, DeAndre Swift, um, yeah. where, you know, DeAndre Swift is excellent coming out of college. He is a really high graded prospect. I really like him um, just like I, I, I like Gibbs, but I think we should be lower on him because he'll likely be put in that committee committee type role yeah. where uh, you have a Jamal Williams. That's sort of the pounder that gets the touchdowns. Um, and, and it's, you know, like that doesn't mean that you can't, uh, from a fantasy perspective, do really well by having Jameer Gibbs on your team. Um, if you think of like, um, I, I don't want to say this because like, I guess like the upside total potential would be something like a Kamara, but I don't mm-hmm. think that um, Gibbs has shown that yet. Maybe he will, but hasn't mm-hmm. shown the, 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 um, the three down capability of what a Kamara can offer. And even Kamara throughout his years has had like a decent compliment. You'd had Mark Ingram, yeah. you'd had Latavius Murray throughout that process. And he was able to still put up fantasy points. And that definitely can happen with Jameer Gibbs. But I do think that there's some risk there about being sort of part of a committee. And then um, you maybe not being able to score as many fantasy points as what people are projecting. And we're talking about the top four picks of a rookie rookie draft. Now, this guy probably has the best odds of, uh, especially against the really high draft capital, of producing fantasy points for you. So I yeah. get it. I understand why we're here at four. And that's why I have him at four. But for my particular purposes, I would probably be lower on him. I'd probably be moving um, out of that spot to somewhere else in the draft um, to try and capture some value and maybe get a guy like at the wide receiver position or Mm -hmm. somebody else that could maybe have the potential to be that like feature back, three down back um, that also has um, pass catching upside later on in the draft. Yeah, I think it's a really good point you make, like even about like guys like Kamara, like he he just found himself in the perfect situation, like the perfect team, perfect coach, you know, perfect quarterback at the time with Drew Brees. Like it was just yeah, absolutely couldn't have built it any better for him. So yeah, if Gibbs does end up somewhere where you're like, mm, I don't know if they're gonna use him quite right, because there seems to be a weird trend with NFL teams. Like they, they will draft these players. Like you look at like a James Cook or someone like that. They'll draft these pass catching running backs. It's like they don't throw them the ball. It's like the Raiders didn't throw Josh Jacobs the ball at all until like this year. It's like what is going? Why do you even draft him then? So there's a weird tendency for NFL teams to do that. So yeah, that that is a really good point about Gibbs. I hope that you know he can end up in a good situation. Um, or is this going to be another example of? You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire being taken by the Chiefs that everyone thought, oh, he's going to be the next Brian Westbrook. They're going to throw him the ball a ton. And then he, they just never threw him the ball. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, I think Gibbs is a better, significantly better prospect than Clyde yeah. Edwards-Alaire. But, like, that whole, like, landing spot, um, de- like, uh, um, a debate that happens after players get drafted. So if he gets in yeah. this, like, incredible situation where – if he goes to the Chiefs, people are it's he's gonna yeah. get pushed up like tons, and that that always happens. But yeah. 
like so for instance if you were to if you were to say jameer gibbs is basically deandre swift let's call him that yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe he's a little bit better maybe he's not but let's call him would you rather have like uh, a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave or one of those mm. um, 2022 um, wide receiver hits than Jameer yeah. Gibbs? Because that's you could probably you could probably trade the 1.04 for for one of those like um, you know excellent rookies from last year, rookie wide receivers, and or um, trade back in this draft and maybe grab uh, a wide receiver that you think. Yeah. Um, could get to that level um, and then a little extra so yeah it's fascinating i love how much everything changes after the draft as well so we could be looking at this in a few months time going like why do we take jameer gibbs all the way up there like yeah or why do we not take him at two like yeah so it's going to be really interesting to see and you sort of mentioned some of those wide receivers there jess so you yeah. got your first two there uh jackson smith and jigba and quentin johnson so tell me what what sets those two apart from a guy like, like jordan addison and keeps them in the top six i think all of these wide receivers are going to have um one or two flaws in them mm-hmm. um except for maybe jordan addison J- jordan addison is more of like the um kind of hits on everything except for size yeah. so mm-hmm. um uh for jackson smith and jigba um he had one uh outstanding historic year of production yeah. And that happened in his sophomore season. There was also a couple guys on his team, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, um, uh, were on those teams producing at the same time. And he put up one of the best um, college football seasons from a wide receiver in the Big Ten, in Big Ten history. Um, he's shattering records all over the place. For wide receivers, what I want to see is early production and a lot of it. Um, and once you hit on those sort of like metrics, um, you hit on market share metrics, like um, weighted dominator or reception yards per team pass attempt. You hit on metrics like uh, EPA per play. Um, then you combine that with sort of his size profile, which um, I would qualify him in like a, a prototype type uh, size profile he's not by any means small he meets bmi thresholds yeah i think he's pretty fast um so he's gonna eat um he's gonna uh, hit all these athletic metrics um he he basically hits everything that you'd want to see and we see profiles like this before where they kind of get um worked down because um of injury or people didn't play for their final season or that that third that last season the season that's most um prevalent in people's minds is the the Mm. season that people are thinking about but when you think about what um is predictive and what uh metrics kind of show um will lead to success in the nfl he's hitting on all of those things um so we need to like sort of forget about year three that was an injury year chalk that up to injury and think about what happened in year two and let me talk a little bit about what happened in year two. So um, he posted a 91.9 PFF receiving grade that year. When you when you think about what happened last year um, with Marvin Harrison and just yeah. sort of how he lit the world on fire, that's the type of year that JSN had in in in, um, in his second year. Yeah. Um, he uh, 
basically going down there that was for good for wide receiver one that year going down the on a yak per reception he was wide receiver four that year on yards per route run he put up a four yards per route run in his second season this is a high volume year and he put up a four yards per route run uh, that was good enough for wide receiver one his contested yeah. catches that year 90 percent contested catching rate wide receiver one um uh, his PFF grade, receiving grade versus man, an 89.9 that year. That was good enough for wide receiver two. Um, when you talk about like um, yards uh, per team pass attempt, which is sort of like this market share metric, he put up a 3.25 that year, which is like incredibly off the charts type of numbers there. Um, his dominator that year on a games adjusted basis from a weighted dominator perspective was a 30%. Um, that barely meets the thresholds, that upper thresholds that I'm looking for. I'm looking for yeah, 20% in year ones and two and 30% sometime throughout um, his career on a, on a game to adjusted uh, dominator rating. So he, he hits all that targets. He, he has a uh, 1.16 EPA per play, anything above one. It's awesome. I mean, wow. this guy doesn't, doesn't leave any of the boxes on check. The only thing that happened was he didn't have a very good third year um, because yeah. of injury. So let's forget about the third year. This guy, yeah. in my opinion, is wide receiver one, checks all the boxes. People talk about, well, you know, does he have that versatility? Is, is he just going to be a slot guy? Um, I don't really care about that. I think he'll earn you a ton of fancy points next year if you have him on your squad. Yeah, and we can't understate, you know, like we talked about, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. having that amazing year this year, but he was like going up against guys like Ibuka and then like people coming in and coming out, right? Where Jackie Smith and Jigba had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson to try and split the share with. And he still had a historic season like that. And yeah, I, I'm a big believer in Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think if he had, what's the best way to phrase? If he had the season he had two years ago, this season, then we'd be talking about him up even ahead of some of these quarterbacks potentially because it was, yeah, like you said, historically good. So I'm a yeah. big believer in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And and then Quinton Johnson, the next guy on your board, obviously prototypical big guy, very skinny legs for a big guy. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but apart, apart from that, what do you like about Quinton Johnson? Yeah, so he has – wide receiver one traits in a in yeah. a, a wide receiver draft where most of these wide receivers we're going to talk about a bunch of them here sort of are of that beta variety they're either too skinny or too short or yeah. you, know, you know they don't fit the typical mold a lot of these guys will probably end up playing in the slot quentin johnston is sort of that alpha white outside guy yeah um and so that 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 stands out he has uh, uh this yak ability so once he gets the ball in his hands, he can, he's got the speed to run by you. He's, he's probably yeah. not necessarily running through you. We're not talking about like AJ Brown here, but yeah. he, he's fast. He's super fast. So he's got he's got the the size, the speed, athleticism. I think he gets the draft capital. The one area because um, you know a lot of his production did come on on deep passes, but this actually this last year they were able to show sort of um, on PFF his targets were able to like space out between um short medium and and deep but a lot of his production does come from from the deep passes i wish he would have been a better contested catch guy um he doesn't for for what his game is uh it doesn't seem like um you know he gets all of those contested catches um mm -hmm. as much as you'd like to see 
to be drafting him this high. And I think that that aspect of it has a little uh, people a little bit worried. Like that's that's his game. Um, yeah. You know, why isn't he get? But you know, like um, you know, if most of his passes are coming with a high average depth of target, your 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 catch rate on those things is not going to be as high. Just by nature of how it works as opposed to the guys that are catching the ball um, nine yards down the field or something like that. Yeah. He's, he's catching the ball much further down the field. So there's, there's, but like, you know, there, there are a few examples where he goes up and gets it that give you this like, uh, like really great feeling about what he could be in the NFL. I kind of liken him a little bit. We talked about this on the fall to a guy like uh, Mike Williams, a healthy oh, yeah. Mike Williams. Uh, yeah. um, but from his profile perspective, he actually is one of the better producers. Year three, it came off a little bit. Um, but in years one and two, he he outproduced very early. And, and you have to games adjust this. So like their COVID year, there was stuff going on. And then there's some injuries in there as well. So if you games adjust everything, hmm. you know, he looks like actually one of the better producers than if you don't games adjust everything. And then you have that size perspective, which is offering something a little different than the rest of the wide receivers. And I think that's, if he gets the draft capital, I think that's what kind of is like setting him above the guys like Jordan Addison and, and some of the other um, hmm. smaller guys. Yeah. And there's such small percentages as well. Like you can only imagine if he goes to a, a good team with a, is it, is it Duggan was his quarterback this year? Duggan? Is yeah. That right? Max Duggan. Yeah. Yeah, like he's probably going to have someone better than that throwing him the ball, and just those little like positional changes of where the ball lands could really help him in those in those contested catches as well. So I, I like what I see with with Quentin Johnson. I think he'll he'll go. I keep I keep thinking he's going to go to the Falcons. Jet. I just have a feeling that he's going to end up there. I don't know why. The Falcons are. Um, it's an interesting squad. Uh, they they have drafted the last two drafts in the first round. It was Kyle Pitts and then Drake yeah. London, right? They're, they're building um, big guys. I think they're doing that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. Um, um, I'm not sure exactly about the quarterback situation there and how that all Either. plays out. And so that's like a worry point for if your mm. if your fantasy players go to the Falcons um, yeah. to like kind of think about. Um, but like they seem to be building something interesting there. Mm. Uh, like from a weapons perspective, if they could just get the QB going, like you think about like um, the, the Cincinnati Bengals and what they've been built off of from the weapons perspective. Uh, now they have Joe Burrow. So if you get the Joe Burrow type of guy in there, um, yeah. you know, like you can imagine how, like if you have Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and maybe somebody else in there, um, like you said, Quentin Johnston in there. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like that would be hard to beat if you could get the a QB. Lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, maybe yeah. maybe I'll have. I just have a feeling on the back of my head. So that's that's your first six there. You want to take us through seven to the end of the first round now, and we'll get those guys locked in. Yeah, let's do that. So um, the next one is Jordan Addison. We talked about him. Yep, yep. Um, then I'm going to go Kayshawn Boutte, which is I think a bit out of consensus. Yep. Uh, then I'll go Anthony Richardson. Yep. Zach Evans. No, Zach Evans might be for there. He is. Yep. Sean Tucker. Yep. And Tank Bigsby. Nice. Let's get Tank in there as well. All right. Lovely. So you got, you know, two wide receivers there at the start. You got Jordan Addison, one of my favorite, you know, players 
players in this draft. Really, former Blinikov winner, excellent, excellent prospect. And and Keyshawn Butte, who's you know not had the best year this year, but I mean, you might be able to say, well, we just praised Jackson Smith and Jigba for what he did two years ago, so why can't we do the same with Keyshawn Butte, right? Yeah, exactly. Jordan Addison is a pretty safe bet. Um, yeah. There's nothing to not really not like about him. He's a little smaller, but mm. I feel very safe with Jordan Addison in the first round. If that's what you're looking for, that makes a lot of sense. Go with him. Yeah. Um, Keishon Mute is anything but safe. Um, a yeah. lot of this, this I have him in my first tier, which is why I'm taking him here. I, I actually tear up the prospects. Jameer Gibbs is in the lower tier, but so far, um, one through eight so far has just been tier one. Yeah. Um, and Keishon Butte is it's exactly what you're talking about. Um, there's a lot to his story that is outside of football that it, I think people are getting wary about. And I think mm. that's pushing him down and you're going to get a discount on a guy. Um, so this is one of those things where like drafting at cost is important. So if I'm sort of making a call here on Keishon Boutte that he's going to get draft capital and we're going to, because an NFL team went out, looked at everything and still gave him draft capital, um, you know, the all clear is here. But that might not necessarily be the case. If he goes um, later than the third round, we talked about sort of that, you know, one, rounds one through three. If he's, if he's a fourth round guy, there's no way he should be up here. Um, I'm moving him way down in my rankings. Yeah. Uh, but if he gets – right now he's projected in the second, third round, second round-ish. Um, if that's where he ends up, given his profile. Now, you have to go back and you have to games-adjusted his profile um, to, to make sure it all works out. But he's, he's the only other guy in this group. Um, so, like, I'm putting um, Jackson Smith and Jigma in this tier. I'm putting Quentin Johnston, and I'm putting Gaishan Boutte. That um, has the size – metrics mm -hmm. that i'm looking for that alpha quality where you can actually yeah. go and be an alpha a one wide receiver one in there and i think because he has that ability because he has the potential that he should be higher in people's drafts where they draft him than he currently yeah. is going now it's a boom bust it's a risk reward because if he doesn't get the draft capital then you're kind of in in trouble here so let's make sure he gets the draft capital but you know he has he's he's um uh, he's six foot 205 pounds, 28 BMI. It's it's like a very good size profile. Yeah. When you look at the games adjusted basis, he had a really good first year and he had a actually even better half of a second year. That half of a second year, which everybody discounts because um, he's spent half the year injured um, yeah. more than he ended up having two ankle surgeries, I think it was, or two leg surgeries. Um, yeah. uh, uh, before he was able to come back his year three year three was just such a weird year there's so you have a, a new coach coming in which maybe you didn't necessarily vibe with um you know and then once you started playing it you know like it just it, it didn't never really clicked and there were flashes but um it never really was 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 anything um but he came back and he played um so there is some a little bit of something to that he could have actually if he sat out year three, just said, I'm going to get ready for the draft, kind of like yeah. we've seen in the past, I think people would be looking at him. Maybe he wouldn't have had some of like the coaching drama um, mm -hmm. or some of the other rumor drama that's going around out there. Um, 
And we would just be looking at his first year and a half of production and saying, wow, that was really good. And like get rid of the filter of what happened in year three. There are other players that have his production profile that, that got um, crushed because of like injury or other things going around. Like a guy that comes to mind is DK Metcalf, which ended up going at the end of the second round, but had kind of this like similar production profile, similar, I'm not saying they're the same player at all, um, but like they're they're kind of meeting all the same sort of thresholds and and yeah. kind of get pushed down right before the draft. But like have that wide receiver one alpha like ability in there, and if he goes to the right situation, I think he's he's the one guy that um, I'd be a little bit higher on sort of making that bet if that's the case. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that. I could just see someone like Mike Tomlin taking a chance on him, right? Like him maybe going to the Steelers and, and maybe replacing that that gap they have at, at wide receiver with, with Claypool leaving. And yeah, just, they always like to have those three kind of guys there, right? So I think he'd be an interesting fit there. Mike Tomlin obviously very good at, you know, getting players' heads straight and like getting them to focus. So I like that for him. So be interested to see where, where he lands. And you're right, if he slides to pass, you know, past the third round then you're really like alarm bells have to start ringing for for Buta, definitely and you got one one quarterback and then three running backs here next so let's talk about anthony richardson then the guy that you know he's kind of like uh like four seasons in one day kind of quarterback right you kind of <laughs> see a little bit of everything the good the bad in, in each game so so talk to me about anthony richardson that's a that's a great uh way of putting it phrasing and i like yeah. that um yeah, I think um, so. Notice I didn't I didn't have Will Levis in here. Um, uh, Kevin Coleman and I did a debate of Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis um, yeah. in in our uh, Debbie Royal Patron podcast um, pretty fairly fairly early on. Um, mm-hmm. So like you can uh, you can you can go out and see. I was a sort of an early Anthony Richardson over Will Levis type of guy um, pretty early in the in the process. Um, so this is this is um, both guys have great tools. So when we're talking about yeah. tools thresholds, both of them have pretty good arms. They're big guys. Um, you can see what type of quarterback they can be in the NFL. So yeah. let's talk. Let's leave that out of the argument. Will Levis is is he a fifth year or sixth year? He's a fifth year guy. His first three years were at. Penn State, um, where he ended up losing the job to Sean Clifford. Um, And then in year four, he transfers to Kentucky and has his best season. And then year five, um, he had an okay season, but not not a great season by any means. Mm. Anthony Richardson, he's a three-year guy. So, you know, I give you those hints and tips. Um, I'd rather take a shot on the first round early declare than the fifth the uh, fifth year guy that's a first rounder that didn't yeah. really produce much. So neither of these guys, mm-hmm. Will Levis had one and maybe a half of year, one real decent year, and then another half a year of good production. Anthony Richardson, he didn't really have that great of production. Um, the When you think about tools, I think what you could say is that Will Levis has all the tools Anthony Richardson has the, the, all the tools, has all the ability, but there's one thing that he's elite on that I don't think Will Levis is. 
And Anthony Richardson is elite at rushing the ball. Will Levis can get it done, but Anthony Richardson is different from a rushing the ball perspective. Um, This is a guy, this is like trying to tackle Derrick Henry. Uh, Maybe not to that extent, but when he's running the ball, it is hard to bring him down and he has that ability more so than anybody obviously in this class. But there's, I don't think there's many QBs in the NFL that have this, the ability that he has. Now he has to get it together from a passing perspective, especially if he's going to go to a place where he's an early first round draft pick and they're going to want to play him to at the start or, you know, halfway the first round season, he's, he's got to get better as a passer, but that, that same argument can be made for Will Levis. He's got to get better in a lot of areas as well. So I think because Anthony Richardson has that, that elite rushing upside, I think he deserves to be in a tier above Will Levis. We're talking about, um, if both of these guys get first round draft capital, that's my number one assumption. If, if one of these, if, if Anthony Richardson slips into the second round, then it becomes a different type of story. But, mm. um, as long as we're debating the tools of the tool, I might as well take the guy that has the better tools in having this elite rushing upside in Anthony Richardson than Will Levis. Yeah, absolutely. And, with Will Levis, he's fascinating to to watch because yeah, you're right. Had that pretty good season like two years ago, and then dropped a little bit last year. He just you have to sometimes stop yourself because I find whenever I'm watching, he looks so much like I don't know what I keep seeing like Matthew Stafford, just the way he throws the ball, the way he moves, and you have to try and stop yourself from thinking all the good things about <laughs> someone like Matthew Stafford when you watch him. You're like, this is a different person. You need yeah. to like look at it. So I think maybe some people are getting tricked a little bit by that. Um, I love watching Anthony Richardson. I think the best thing for him would be if he gets drafted. I mean, I can't even think of it. Okay, I don't know, like Denver or something. Someone that has like a quarterback that will probably start like year one. And if he gets drafted and can sit for a year and really be coached up, that would be the best thing for him. But there's such a quarterback crisis in the NFL right now that that's probably not going to happen. And he's probably going to be forced in right away. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, for his overall future success, you'd love to see him sit a year. And, and, but I, I you know, like in the, under the right scheme and you get him out there and you're, if your team's not expected to win right away and you get him some experience yeah. and he has the strong mental fortitude to, to deal with a situation like that. And then you go and see him put up 80 yard runs and mm. look like Derrick Henry out there. I think people, I think that's that's an okay scenario um yeah i i do i do think the convention right now is that um he's going in the first round to a quarterback needy team um yeah. and there's a lot of quarterback needy teams and he'll probably get paired with a veteran somehow and um that's that's kind of how i see it out but like there, there's definitely a situation where um, people get really hyped up on him and he goes to a team where he's he's the guy and they go and they roll with him and that's okay too. Um, it's not ideal, but um, from a fantasy perspective, you probably like that if you're if you're taking him in the first round. So, yeah, I think he's going to have a really good combine as well. You know, I think that might help him up, push him up. Like he's just a good good athlete, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So um, we got Zach Evans, Sean yeah. Tucker, and Tank Bigsby. You got any questions on these guys? 
Yeah, Zach Evans, right? So, so can you sell me on Zach Evans, please? Because I'm not. Uh, I, I, I've not. I've not watched everything on Zach Evans, but from yeah. what I've seen, and I've only watched tape on him from this year. I've just been okay. like, I don't. I'm like, I don't get it. So what? What's? Yeah. Well, is it yeah. like that? You're comparing him to Quinshawn Jenkins and like watching the two back to back, or are you just watching his his tape? I've been watching the game, the Old Miss games. Like just like Should... clips and snippets from that. I've not I've not seen, you know, every snap that he's played from those games, but yeah, yeah, he's not standing out for me. Yeah, so all right. So the story on Evans is you know, coming out of coming out of high school, um, he was one of the top recruits up there with Bijan. They're going back yeah. and forward. Um, so it, from an athletic size perspective, he's 215 pounds. He's six foot, 215 pounds, so it's 29 BMI, so yeah. he fits there. Um, he's an early declare, so he's kind of like on the same path that Bijan Robinson is. He's really fast. Um, when you look at market share metrics, so he didn't really play much his first year. Um, his second year, he was sharing a backfield with, with Kendra Miller, and his third year uh, at TCU, and his third year, he was sharing a backfield with uh, – uh, Quint, uh, Quint Johnston, uh, Junkins, yes, uh, Quishon Junkins, who um, just happens to be one of the you know, like the most prolific freshman running backs that we've seen in a <laughs> while from a statistical perspective. Yeah, um, and then you you bake in some injuries. So like the market share stuff when you're looking at yards per team play, when you're looking at dominator, when you're looking at backfield dominator, that type of thing, it doesn't really pop. But when you look at him from an efficiency perspective, so we're talking about rush yards over expected per attempt, um, yards per attempt, um, that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, he actually stands out from that perspective. So he's an okay. incredibly efficient running back. Now, mm-hmm. he needs the draft capital. This is something uh, – and the same thing with Sean Tucker. They need to get the draft capital. And there's been times when, like, you know, the, the community's been fading them. There's been times when they've been high on them. They need yeah. to get uh, at least third-round draft capital to for me to be as high on them as for me to think they're first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach Evans has the ability to be uh, a difference maker in the NFL. Um, we see it at how efficient he is. Now mm-hmm. let's see if he can get – the volume to add to that efficiency. And if this guy gets put in the right situation with the right draft capital, I think people are going to feel very highly about him. I think he's probably a guy that gets pushed up. Now, if he Mm -hmm. doesn't get the draft capital and because he doesn't have those market share perspectives, um, then it's possible that he gets, that he gets falls farther down and he becomes a value value guy Mm -hmm. um, in the second round. So, yeah, I mean, the tape watchers, what what I find is the tape watchers, they're going to look at him and look at the all the runs in the backfield for all those games, and they're going to see the, him go and then Kendra Miller go. Be like, well, mm. what's the difference between these two guys? And he's gonna, then they're going to see him go and then Krishan Judkins go. And Judkins, um, you know, had an outstanding season. They're going to be like, well, relative yeah. to these guys, you know, he's yeah. being kind of outproduced, but – it's like those guys were getting the volume and he was getting sort of like the efficiency stuff. And, um, and like, it's there, it's there, but um, maybe it's not perfect. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, 
like full disclosure, I'm still not finished my my tape. But what from what I've seen from from I'm impressed with Jokins and I'm impressed with with Heath so far. They're the only notes I've got really on the on the players from that team. So nothing yet on on Evans. But I'll I'm not finished yet. I'm about halfway through yeah. though. So uh, yeah. we'll wait and see. I'll, I'll keep an eye. I'll keep an eye out for for Evans and just like you said that okay. that consistency. So I'll, I'll definitely have an eye out for that. And the yeah, other guys, yeah. I don't have. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, like um, when we talk about rush yards are expected, basically that's like a uh, a model where they go and look and see how much the offensive line would be. Uh, you an average running back, given that current setup and that current play, would get yeah. at that point. And then Zach Evans gotcha. is usually above that, so he would do better than what the average player okay. going through that similar situation would do, which goes to show you like how 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 good of a runner type of he is yeah um and so in those types of metrics that's the kind of stuff that he looks good on but when you go back and you look at just like um you know how many yards did uh, evans had versus how many yards did junkins have it's not gonna yeah. you're you're gonna feel like uh he got outplayed and mm -hmm. he kind of did but yeah. i i still think it's there okay nice and uh do you have much to say on, on the other guys here, like Tucker and Bigsby? They, they seem pretty solid prospects, but you're right. Need need that draft capital for sure, right? Yeah, I'll go quick. Tucker uh, meets a lot of the, the metrics that I like. Mm -hmm. um, I think he'll get size. I think he'll run really fast. He's a former track yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, people are down on him, uh, maybe like level of competition. It's the film guys that are down on him. So maybe if you watch him, you can tell me what it is. Mm -hmm. But from a numbers-wise, he looks pretty good. Tank Bigsby is like interesting story. I think um, he's, he's become a little bit of a value now. Like, I don't think he's in the top tier. Um, yeah. He's a little bit smaller. Um, so from a BI, BMI perspective, he's under 29, which like sticks out a little bit to me. I like to see running backs that are above 29, if not yeah. actually above 30, but mm -hmm. um, from a production perspective, he looked pretty good in year one. Year two was okay. Year three was like a little bit of a down year. So when we talk about like, um, um, you know, looking at the lens of just one year, people can mm -hmm. feel like they're a little bit down on on Tank, but I think he can handle a, a three down role in the NFL. So I think that might differentiate him from some of the other guys. Um, he looked really good on um, uh, yards after contact perspective. So you know, when you're going through, check out the yards after contact that yeah, yeah he put up a good year three. Um, I think he had uh, 4.16 was his number for for this year um and one other thing that stood out was uh he had a, a good breakout uh percentage so 15 plus yard runs um mm -hmm. what i thought was interesting like he was he was one of the top guys at, at at with a 15 plus yard run so um um good things from tank base me I, i'm pretty high on him i got him in the yeah. first round I, i'm not sure where consensus exactly is on him it's probably in this range but um i like him Again, with all three of these running backs, we want to see the draft capital for those guys. Yeah. Yeah, the more I watch Tag Bigsby, the more I'm coming away impressed, actually. Like, he has that that short-level speed. And I can't remember exactly the stuff, but I, I read something about, like, he's one of the best in college at turning a 10-yard run into a 20-yard run. <laughs> like, the percentage of times that he, he gets to 10 yards, he gets to 20, you know, more often than a lot of other college players do. So I really like what I see. And I just love the amount... Like every time he gets the ball, he's trying something, right? He's throwing a juke move. He's trying to spin. He's he's like not. He's never content with you know just getting three, four yards. He always wants to try a little something, and 
I move a little more. So yeah, I, I really like what I see with them, and that's that's the end of the first round. Then, Jess, should we should we crack on into into round number two, and will we hit the next six and and chat through them? Yeah, let's go. Um, so at two at two point oh one, I'll take Will Levis. Yep. Um, then I'm gonna go Josh Downs. Yep. Zay Flowers. Yep. Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt, lovely. Devin A Chain. Yes. Superb. And at two six, who we got? Uh, we're gonna go Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer at two six. Love it. So Will Levis, we, we kind of talked about Will Levis, so I think we can we yeah, can yeah. we can skim over him. And you got three really really good players there with Downs, Flowers, and and you know Jalen Hyatt who won the Blindicott this year, right? Yeah, we have two Blitnikoff winners in this class. Yeah. Jalen Hyatt and Jordan Addison from last year. That's pretty interesting. They're both yeah. um, early declare guys too. Mm-hmm. So it makes it even more uh, crazy. But um, actually, I don't judge uh, future NFL performance by how many awards you run win in college. But it is yeah. a great, like, uh, it, just like a... Uh, a point that he was the best wide receiver judged by a bunch of people at his position, yeah. which is pretty cool, I think. Um, yeah. we got, and we got two of them this year. And it was Hyatt, so on him, before the college season started, was he sort of not meant to be number two behind Tillman, or was Hyatt always meant to be like that that one guy? Yeah, so Hyatt had like an interesting career. Uh, it, it corresponded with some coaching changes. So year one, he put up some numbers. He wasn't a, a, a zero. Um, so he actually produced in year one. So it wasn't a, a nothing. Actually, um, one guy that he gets comp to a lot is Jamison Williams. And I think they're a little bit different. Um, but from a production perspective, they look fairly similar, yeah. except for in year yeah. one, Jalen Hyatt actually did something. And, and Jamison Williams yeah. didn't do anything until year three. Uh, yeah. But they're similar because they're, they're speed guys. And year three, they just went off. Um, yeah. And year one and two, they didn't hit everything. But Hyatt actually did do some some stuff in year one. Year two, um, there was a coaching change. Um, hey, there, Vilas Jones and, and Cedric Tillman were a, a huge part of that offense. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of like the left out guy. And then year yeah. three, he spent a lot of time to get stronger and get better um, for contested catches. Um, mm-hmm. He put on some weight. Um, and uh, he really popped off in year three. Um it's he's he's probably the fastest wide receiver in this class. So. Um, he has one, just one season of excellent production. So, like we talked about, mm-hmm. um, he's he excelled at yak per reception, and it wasn't like running through players; it was running by players um, to the yeah. point where DBs were standing 15, 20 yards back from the line of scrimmage, and he was still <laughs> running by them. It was wow. crazy. Um, and he had a pretty good yards per route run, which like, you know, you, you kind of expect that, um, because of just like the nature of how his, um, game was played, but you know, he was doing sort of those slants in the deep, deep, um, deep passes Mm -hmm. was most of his, most of his games. There was a game, uh, I think it was like the Alabama game where he had six, six receptions and five touchdowns Yeah, and all those touchdowns were like. Uh, or most of them were like 70 plus yards, just yeah. like incredible game. <laughs> um, and that's the type of thing that you're thinking about when you get Jalen Hyatt and Jalen Hyatt, 
Um, he's he's now talk, being talked about as in the first round. Um, something I look at is the mock draft database to find out like where these guys are projected. Um, yeah. yeah, so he's getting that first round buzz now. We know mm-hmm. he's going to be the fastest guy. We see we see it year in and year out where the NFL values that speed, that differentiation. Um, where it, you know when they're when they're coming over their game plans, there's a guy that that they'll have to account for in a certain mm-hmm. way that will maybe make other guys get open and open up your offense a little bit better. And he has that ability to yeah. like be a focal point of a defense where you always have to account for where he's at. Cause he'll, he'll just, he, he can use that speed and just run right by you. And I think the NFL will value that. And which means that he'll probably get taken in the first or second round. Um, so when you're thinking about, you know, like where you want to select him in your rookie drafts, that, that has to be now, if he's, a first round um, wide receiver and he gets taken in a great landing spot. I don't yeah. imagine that he'll be around here at, at 2.04. I think we're going to no. push him into the first round. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of how I'm thinking about where he is. I, I like the profiles of a Josh Jones and a Zay flowers a little bit more, although, mm-hmm. um, but um, I think because Jalen Hyatt's probably going to get that first round draft capital, I want to keep him in the same cluster in the same range of, of those guys in case um, he starts getting pushed up. And then really quickly on, on Will Levis, like I am uh, against Will Levis. I have him down here in the second round, which he never really is. Um, He usually goes a lot higher than this. That's my point. I'd rather have Anthony Richardson over Will Levis. Um, I'd avoid taking Will Levis in your rookie drafts. That's my perspective. That's tied to the situation. The the older guy that didn't really produce much and we're relying on tools. Maybe it works out, but it'd sort of be like that outlier scenario that that where it works. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I think I'm with you on the Richardson over over Levis at at this point in time. Anyway, it obviously depends. You know where where they end up. I think that's that's spot on. And the the other two guys you got here. So Mike Michael Mayer, I thought. This is a guy that seems to be like such a safe kind of prospect that people might just be like, you know what, I'll just take this safe guy like at the back end of the first round. But that doesn't seem to be happening. He's almost like too safe that he's going to end up just being one of these like tight ends in the mush. Like after you get like your top three, four guys, he's just going to be mushed in there somewhere and just become like another sort of tight end four to 17 kind of guy. Is that... Is that what's happening here, do you think? Yeah, so from uh, like a prospect profile perspective, he's hits all the metrics that you look yeah. for. Um, so he's got the size of what a typical prototype tight end is. He's early declare. He produced early. Um, the athleticism is the question. Um, mm-hmm. Does he have the elite athleticism? We'll find a little bit out there in the combat. I think that could have a way one way or the other. Um, but, uh, you know, like... He on some of like the efficiency type of stuff and the way that he was used, it 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 isn't exactly perfect, um, and so you know the um, when you go through and look at all the PFF grades because he was like a, a really good producer, he's going to be at the very top um, yeah. of a of an area where um, yeah, there's not a lot of tight end production. He was able to produce. He's an yeah. early declare. So I, I do think like he stands out from the rest of the group. Um, we, we're seeing like guys like Dalton Kincaid 
and some of the other guys get pushed up. Um, mm -hmm. But um, from a production size, that type of perspective, I think Mayor, Mayor does stick out. But I think you hit the nail on the head, though, is like once we get him in the NFL, does he have the elite upside to be the end tight end, which gives you differentiated point fantasy yeah. points at that position? And I think I think no, I think he's probably like like that very consistent back end tight end one for a very long time. And in that case, yeah. when you're getting that type of player in the middle of the second round, makes sense. But I think there's a lot more upside guys that you can take at the back end of the first round that I wouldn't be drafting Mayer at the at the back end of the first round. Um, yeah. I'm more thinking like he's like a mid second round type of guy, and that's how I think about the mm -hmm. tight ends. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, that's the fear. The fear is that he's just sort of this like middling, you know, mid to back end tight end one, but never not not really differentiation at the position. And um, with what's available in this class at this time, could you take a shot on an upside guy that could get you like RB two numbers or you know yeah. wide receiver two numbers or something like that at this point versus just picking from you know the like you said the mush of what is yeah. mid to late tight end ones. Yeah, I'll tell you this much though. If he gets drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, I'm moving him up my board, not because of the landing spot, but because Hayden Hurst is there. And that guy's got the worst luck whenever it comes to tight ends <laughs> being drafted to teams he's on. So it's been Mark <laughs> Andrews and then Kyle Pitts. So Michael Mayer's going to hit if he ends up with the Bengals because of the curse of Hayden Hurst. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, think, I think Mayer is my tight end one of this group. Yeah. Um, a shaky tight end one. I think he, I actually, when I tear him out, I actually have him in tier two. So I don't have any tier one tight ends in this group. So yeah. that's just like a point of, I've actually been pretty low on mayor for a long time. Uh, but that was just because like people were thinking he was the best thing ever. And they were yeah. drafting him at the mid to late part of first rounds. I think, I think right now where we are from a value perspective, we're about where we should be on Michael Mayer. I agree. Um, and so like, we're getting to the point where it, it, like I can sort of warm up a little bit on, on his profile and, and, and talk a little bit positively about him. Yeah. And, and the only guy we got left there is, uh, Devon Etchian, right? Like I, I just, I love watching him play, but obviously the big, big question mark is, you know, the guy he's, he's not a big guy at all. Right. And not a lot of players, his size and, you know, weight, especially, have been able to do it in the NFL. So, so what do you think about Etienne? Yeah, that's the that's the knock, the size. I think I actually have that knock. But if he if um, he's going to get the draft capital uh, right now, he's projected in the second round. That means a team's yeah. invested in making it work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you you have to know what you have when you're making that draft selection. And they're investing a large amount of draft capital if they get if they really do put a second round number on him. Um, that means they're going to use him the way that they need to use him to make him successful. And he's going to get lots of opportunities to do that. Um, the one thing that I would say that uh, is maybe a little bit of differentiation here is that he actually like from a production perspective, he's, he's hitting most of the metrics in year two and three, even the ones that are like, are you a good runner? Like the rush yards are yeah. expected. Um, and, uh, and those types of things. So like, weirdly even though he's really small let's call him 185 pounds um and you're looking for running backs that are like 205 pounds or, or tall or or heavier mm -hmm. um like this is that weird situation where like um like all the production says that he's going to be really good but like you have to worry about what the size says 
But if if a team is really going to put second round draft capital in there, I'm, I'm willing to bet that they're going to be able to use him and put him to work in a way that like mm-hmm. would be okay given his size. So I I, I like him. He's been a riser for me. Um, mm-hmm. I I do I do under the understand the argument of this this would be an outlier from a size perspective. So I do understand the argument of throwing him off your board in the same reason that you'd throw like a Deuce Vaughn off your board. Um, but we're talking about fantasy here. We're not talking about like, um, you know, like NFL and and value and stuff like that in the Mm. NFL. So I do think that he has the ability to put up fantasy points, even at that weight, but it is an outlier result and you're taking a risk. The risk kind of gets, uh, lowered a little bit if he does get the draft capital. Now, if he doesn't get draft capital, there's a guy that would get, uh, this guy would fall quite a bit because he's not hitting the, the size threshold. So if he's a fourth round yeah. guy, um, I'm not as in. I would be no. kind of closer to out at that point. And he's also weird. I, I watched the last two games of him. I watched it. I was like, I wonder what he's like, like when he's sort of asked to pass block and not as bad as he should be weirdly. Like he is oh, really? so small, but actually he's like, I'm like, okay, Deva, like, okay. Like you're <laughs> kind of holding your own there. Like obviously not great at it but he's not just getting swallowed up and run over he's really like he's a bit shit crafty with it, a bit like shifty with it so i'm like okay you know that that that'll help you like he's putting in the graph there that'll help him like get that that draft capital i think yeah dan jeremiah says that you have to be good at two of these three things you have to be either a good runner yeah. a good a good pass catcher or a, a, a good blocker good pass blocker and you have to be two of those things so yeah. you can be a bad pass blocker as long as you're a good runner and a good pass catcher. You can mm-hmm. be a terrible pass catcher as long as you're a good runner and a, a good uh, good pass blocker. So you gotta yeah. you gotta get, like grab two of those things. As long as you got yeah. two of those things, you can be good. Yeah. Or you could be Bijan Robinson, who's just like got everything. I bet I yeah. bet you can like I bet you can like play the guitar and he's a good singer as well, right? I bet you can just do everything, <laughs> right? This is one of those guys, probably. Um, so. Let's let's round off uh, the back end of, of round number two then with our final sort of six picks here. So who are we going to lock in in round number two for the back end? Yeah, so the next one we're going to go uh, Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims, lovely. Yep. Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller, yep. Izzy Abaconda. So uh, is Abacanda the correct pronunciation? I've been going Abanacanda, but the Abacanda is is the correct. Abanacanda. Uh, I don't know. You might be right on that. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll try and look up. I'll, I'll look Abana-canda. into every time I that every makes time I watch. Sense, I think. Yeah, because I've watched games and like he's been called both by the commentators, so it's like I don't really know what the correct one is. Yeah, um, I, I've never been really good at the pronunciation, especially yeah. on names um, That's a tricky one that too. have that many syllables. So yeah, um, it's a cool last name, though. I like it. It's, um, it's awesome. If if it wasn't for Tank Bigsby, it'd be the best name. Exactly. In the <laughs> yeah. uh, well, A chain's so it... A chain's pretty good, but I think this yeah. one fits up there too. Absolutely. Uh, the next one's uh, Dwayne McBride, Eric Gray, and then Tajay Spears. All right, I'm going between McBride. Eric, Eric Gray's been coming up a bit lately, actually. He's been rising up the board, I think. Um, where are we? There he is. And Tajay Spears at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, since they, the senior bowl, right, he has been flying up people's boards as well. Like, 
are you are you going to say though it's like well it's like mags before the senior bull i attach spears there anywhere so what's that sorry uh my kid i saying oh uh, no you're right. i was saying he's been flying up boards but are you about to say oh yeah like, yeah I, I had taj spears you know there before it was cool oh yeah you did um yeah uh taj spears is uh really like a it's come on quite a bit from the the senior bowl yeah. everybody got really excited it's it's really like one of those like those late rising stars that kind of come out of nowhere yeah. so like you know he's at tulane right Mm-hmm. Um, in year two, he had a torn ACL. Um, and then you're, you're, uh, I think it's year four. Um, mm-hmm. he had just like this excellent season. He yeah. goes and wins the, the uh, player of the year for his conference. He has an incredible, um, conference championship game. And then he goes and plays uh, a bowl game, which everybody watches and yeah. just goes off. And for the most part, people didn't know about who he was before that bowl game. And now like in the span of two months, he's the hottest thing ever. Um, I would say what I would say is like, let's cool it a little bit there um, on that. I I still think he's pretty good. I got him in the second round Mm -hmm. here, but you can see he's at the end of the second round. Some people got him in the first round. So um, that's that's, too rich for me. That's too rich for me um, given what his profile is. and, And I think like, you know, when I give my hints and tips, I'm talking about early declares, young producers, yeah. those types of things. Yeah. And that's not something that Tajay Spears was. Now, he could be no. really excellent, and that's awesome. And I'd be really happy for him. I really like him. But uh, I don't, I'm not willing to pay that, that first round draft capital for him. Although yeah. I, do think he's, I do think he's pretty good. I, th- I, I project him more as like a sort of that like committee type back. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But I think everything- I'm like his production is pretty good he does yeah. yeah everything he does i'm looking at a guy like etchian who's been taken before i'm like can etchian just do everything he does a little bit better a little bit better a little bit faster maybe i don't know like yeah. you have you you see these things like uh where he outperforms at the senior bowl but like um the early declares weren't given the chance to put up that type True. of stuff at the senior bowl how would these early declare guys how would these young guys look at yeah. the senior bowl they'd probably be looking even better than some of these guys but yeah. that's that's the benefit of guys like Taji Spears, what they get at the at the at the senior yeah. bowl. So yeah, absolutely. um the so other guy you've, you've the other guy like, yeah, the other sorry, guy I call out here is Marvin Mims. Um I'm yes, higher than Marvin Mims than most. The marvelous Marvin mm-hmm. Mims. He hits on everything except for size. So he's a smaller guy, yeah. but he's a big play guy. He can play special teams. Yeah. Um, and he'll get you your big plays. And mm-hmm. one of the things that sticks out is just like him being able to, to do that thing. You know, if he gets the draft capital, I think I'll be higher on him than, than most. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's a guy that like when you're, when you're trying to separate out these really smaller guys, like Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, and mm-hmm. I put Marvin Mims in that group there. Um, there's not like, we're looking at the production profiles. There's not too much of a difference between them. So it's all going to come down to me. It's going to be draft capital, like kind of like that landing spot type of thing to figure mm-hmm. out how those guys all play out. Now I have Marvin Mins sort of lower down than that cluster of guys, but mm-hmm. I honestly think that um, like I could be, uh, I could be, I could be moving him up into that range if he gets the right yeah. draft capital type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you kind of went five, running backs all in a row. A guy like Ke- Kendra Miller, he's a guy I've been 
watching a wee bit the last couple of days. I like him more and more. Like the more I'm watching him, like yeah, Ken Jeffrey. I'm like, yeah, that's another good player from him. Another good player from him. The one one thing I I will actually ask you is, I'm going to ask you weirdly about a guy that's not there. I'm going to say yeah. why you take why would you take these five guys ahead of someone like Zach Charbonnet, who's sort of consensusly much much higher. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> No, no, no. Zach Charbonnet <laughs> it should be all the way at the, the top here. I apologize. Okay. I he, was wondering. Uh, I was like, I, yeah, I, was like Zach, I can't wait I, to hear what you have to say. I'm incredibly uh, over, uh, I very high on Zach Charbonnet. So the fact yeah. that I just missed him uh, in wow. when I was putting the, together my list. So yeah. I have Zach Charbonnet above Tank Bisbee. So I yeah. would have him, Zach Sarbonne, in the first round. Oh, what an oversight here! So, I, when you when you post this picture of this board, let's put a little yeah. arrow there in front of Tank Bigsby and put Zach Charbonnet in there. Let's do it. Um, let's put, that's that's let's where be... I want him. I'm I'm very high on Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet is yeah. my number one four year guy, um, yeah. my fourth year guy. Most of my guys that I pick are early producers, three year guys. Those are the guys that I want high up in the. He's my top uh, fourth year guy um, here uh, in this group. Charbonnet should be at uh, pick 1.12, 1.11. The late, late first round is where gotcha. Charbonnet should go. Apologize for, for the oversight. I should have had him in there. No, that's um, absolutely there, fine. But, I just, yeah. I feel sorry for Tank Bigsby. In fact, why don't we say Tank Bigsby goes at 113? We'll keep him in the first one. We can't. Yeah. Him yeah. Him Let's, uh, yeah. yeah. One one twelve A and one twelve B is uh, yeah. We'll go with that. Sorry. Nice. Yeah. So um, I'm very high on Charbonnet. Um, just an oversight that I missed him. Mm-hmm. He's actually on this list. I just um, like just skipped over his name when I was saying them mm-hmm. to you. So uh, apologize yeah. for that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Zach Charbonnet is very good. Should yeah. be a late first round uh, draft pick for for, the, mm-hmm. for this group. Nice, completely agree with, with that. And yeah, we'll we'll get that nice little arrow in. We'll put we'll we'll paste them in. <laughs> but, um, so let, let's talk about the guys that we do here, do have here. So it's Kendrick Miller, we got Izzy Abanakanda, and we got McBride and Gray, and then Taj Spears we kind of spoke about. So let's let's go. Will we start with um why you've got Miller ahead of those guys? What what sets him apart? Yeah, I think so. All right, so let's look take a look at the early declares here. Yeah. Um that are that I'm I'm interested in here when it gets to running backs are Kendra Miller, Deuce Vaughn, Dwayne McBride, and Izzy. How do you say it? I say Abanacanda. Abanacanda. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if that's correct. Um, from from those wide receivers that we're getting to this round, we Marvin Mims is getting third round draft capital. Then you have like Rakim Jarrett, Parker Washington, Tyler Scott. Um, yeah. At tight end, it's Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, and at quarterback, it's um, C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have those those top end guys um, that I kind of left out there at running back and wide receiver. But so when I'm thinking about like Eric Gray, um, yeah. Dwayne McBride, Tajay Spears, um, I'm going with actually the the early declare guys. So I'm going with the Kendra Millers, um, Dwayne McBrides, is mm-hmm. Izzy's as well, um, Abicandas. So yeah. that's that's kind of how I'm thinking about like the in in situations where you're trying to like differentiate between one or the other. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. the the fact that they're um, early declares, 
Um, and then the next, the next thing like in the hints and tips would be where they fit on a draft capital yeah. perspective. So um, let's look at uh, Evacanda's profile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll be, he'll be a young prospect. I think I have him as 20 years old when on yeah. draft day, he'll be above a 30 BMI. Um, he'll hit those athleticism metrics. He's an early declare. And in year three, in year three, he hits a lot of the metrics that I'm looking for. The only thing that he's kind of a little bit low on is his pass catching mm-hmm. um, ability. And so he didn't hit my target there. But for the most part, in year three, he hit everything that I wanted to see. Um, it, it doesn't really stand out from any in any particular category. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's young... Um, He's hitting production metrics. He's got the athleticism. Um, now we just need to see the draft capital. Right now, Mock Draft Database has him as a fifth round projection, which I would be less inclined to be taking a guy like that here. I'm, I'm thinking he goes earlier than that. But if yeah. he doesn't get the draft capital, this is one that would then fall down from a profile. But when I'm looking at my profiles and I'm looking at those things like early production, does he fit the size? I'm sorry, not. Does he fit the size? Does he, you know, is he early declare? Um, mm. You know, is, does he have an athletic profile? Does he have a production profile? He's kind of hitting a lot of that. And now we just need the draft capital to come through. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that works. If not, then I'll probably have to move him down. And that's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing with um, Kendra Miller. That's the same kind of thing with Dwayne McBride. Um, yeah. And why I would have him above guys like Eric Gray who and Tajay Spears who had that fourth year mm-hmm. and had similar type of production profiles. Yeah, all of it. And you can just kind of see the depth at running back in this class. That's been talked about for years, obviously, but just the amount of green we can see on our screen there, it just shows you, you know, the the real depth that this class has at running back. And a lot of holes in your roster can be filled through the the draft this year for sure. Yeah, agreed. Uh, The real real value in this class is the tier two running backs. Yeah. There's Mm. a ton of them. Um, and so I'd, I'd fit that I'd say that that's like the biggest benefit of what you can grab in this class. There's a bunch of upshot guys. And I think the NFL QB landscape with free agency and, and where we are with age on some of these running backs, I think that that sort of, that landscape sort of changes around this year or the next Mm -hmm. year. And there's going to be a lot more opportunity and there's a lot of upshot guys here with some of this running back class. Yeah, absolutely love it. And, you know, that brings us to the end of, of round number two. We were thinking about maybe going through rounds three and four, but we might we might run a bit too long. But how about this, Jay? How about you how about you give us one name that hasn't been drafted yet that okay. you think might rise the most? So currently they'd be in round Ooh. number three, but give us one name that you think might sneak up into that round two, or I mean maybe even round one, but probably sneak up into round two. One name. Oh, yes. that's tough. That's putting you up. That, um, it's a hot seat for a reason, you know. <laughs> oh man, seat's getting hot. Um, <laughs> you know, one name uh, I think there. I'd say like right about here is where a bunch of tight ends go. I'm a little yeah. bit higher on Darnell Washington than Dalton Kincaid, but I think um, there's an interesting like in the third round, the early third round, somewhere in there. If you can grab a, a decent upside pass catching tight end. Now, Darnell Washington hasn't shown that he has that pass-catching ability, but mm-hmm. not a lot of um, tight ends sh- could produce that much in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but Darnell Washington is one of those guys that I think can be like an all-around tight end and really do really well. So if he goes to like a place like um, Cincinnati, 
Um, yeah. I think that's like a sort of like a matchup nightmare and Darnell Washington could be pretty great. And the same goes for like a Dalton Kincaid if he finds the right landing mm-hmm. spot. Um, I'm a little bit yeah. lower on Dalton Kincaid just because he's like the older type of prospect. But um, yeah. he does have a, a, a good pass catching profile. So I'd say like like taking a, a shot on one of these tight ends is pretty good. Um, yeah, Parker Washington is one that like is interesting to me. Like uh, yes. when I go through and look at yes. those early declares. Uh, what's interesting, most interesting to me is like the, the projected draft capital he could potentially get. If he if he yeah. really does get um, good draft capital, mm-hmm. um, he's one that stands out that could be kind of interesting. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, most people will stay away yeah. just because of size. Um, yeah. But that he produced really well. If he goes to the right scenario from a fantasy perspective, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty good. Um, that's a lot more than one, so I'll stop there. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah, it's good to get all of those, all of those names. And yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see where, where people, you know, end up end up landing. So let's I'll I'll run through our our top couple of players here, and we'll see where everyone landed. So Bijan Robinson at the one one, as expected. We got Stroud and Young in at two and three. Then we have got Jameer Gibbs. We got Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Keyshawn Butte. We got Anthony Richardson. Then we got Evans, Tucker. Then we have Zach Charbonnet, obviously. And then at 112, Tank Bigsby, right? And then Will Levis in at 2-1. We got Downs, Flowers, and Hyatt in a wide receiver cluster. Then the second round, we got Devon Etienne and Michael Mayer. Marvin Mims. And then we got a run of five running backs to close out round two with Miller, Abanakanda, McBride, Gray, and you know the senior bowl superstar, Taj Spears. And, and that, that rounds out our... Or two rounds, plus a little bonus players as well. So, Jed, just want to say, mate, pleasure as always. Love having you on the show for for a third time. Ed, could you just remind everybody listening, you know, where, where can they find you online and what kind of stuff are you getting up to? Yeah, if you're still listening now, we're going like an hour and 30 minutes in here. So, it, it's a true believer of the hot seat that yes, you get this you. far. We really appreciate you listening all the way to the end. You can yeah. find me on Twitter at underscore Jason Stein. Um, my written content is on the Dynasty Nerds. I do a series called The Intelligent Fantasy Football Investor there. It talks about value and a different way to look at value. Um, I also do a lot of Debbie work for the Debbie Royale, um, where uh, we go through prospect profiles like this, um, but we're also working on uh, the Debbie Manifesto, which is like a big um, Debbie guide that goes through sort of each of the teams. Um, and you can sign up for, uh, we have a Debbie Royal Patreon that you can sign up for and become a Patreon member there. Mm. Um, and so, you know, all those types of things, um, uh, published work at Dynasty Words, come and find me on the Patreon at the Debbie Royal, And then you can always find me on Twitter at underscore Jason Stein. Absolutely amazing. And, and thank you so much again for coming on. And thanks everybody for, for watching. And hey, if you've been watching for 94 minutes and you've not subscribed yet, what are you doing? Come on, let's let let's subscribe. get that subscribe and, and like subscribe. Yeah, get all that done. I'm sure you have already though. So thank you for that. And and thank you, Jay, once again for coming on. And guys, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll be back next week with another mock draft. And remember, for anything dynasty you need to know, keep it locked on the certified inferno and stay lit. We'll see you next time.